improvise. You got nowhere to go, nowhere to turn. The seat is your religion, no more bridges to burn. Nonetheless, it works. You can do it the most. He's chasing the race, chasing the ghost. I don't know, ain't love, just it hopes to finish out. Lost your way, way before you reach the finish line. Keep searching for that knife, you sit inside. That's from the beginning, never be on the winning side. Got your back to the wall. Sacrificing it all. With all the games you play. Watch that way, Why don't you just... You go your way and I go mine. At the end of the day, you never stop my time. Welcome back to another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John Avari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, and as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. We are back today talking rookies. Today, we're going to be looking at the wide receivers in the 2023 uh, NFL rookie class, and we have a very special guest with us today, uh, old friend of the show, buddy, we're just chatting with for a long time, so stay, uh, stay tuned for the outtakes at the end here, but we got... Our buddy, uh, Mr. John Lobb. Uh, John, let people know where they can find you, Twitter, uh, websites, all that good stuff, and then we'll start jumping into uh, peppering you with some questions here. First, thanks for having me on. I think it might be my fifth year with you. I mean, it's just been a pleasure. I love coming on the show every every year at this time. My Twitter handle's right on the screen. If you're on, I would assume, YouTube or live, it's GridironSkull91. You can follow all my written work for the 10th year now. I can't believe I've been writing these profiles for a decade on footballdiehards.com. You can go check those out right now. And then um, on YouTube, go to the Rookie, Rookie Big Board channel. And my teammate, Matt Hicks, and I, we have um, 32 player profiles. Each one's about 11 to 13 minutes and we break down each prospect from a film and a metrics analysis standpoint. Before we heard, I love your shorts with Matt on the rookie big board because you you it, the back and forth works perfectly. <laughs> it, it really does, you know. And it, I won't say it keeps you engaged because it's all engaging, <clears throat> but it, it like that transition back and forth. You're like, oh, okay, and then you're back over here. Like honestly, like I've learned a lot listening to those and. It's truly entertaining, and it's the information you need, right? I mean, it's 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 pretty cool how you guys have that structure. Oh, thank you. You know, it's funny looking back. About eight or nine years ago, I tried to do something on my own, and I re- I somehow I had an MP3 file on a hard drive, so I re-listened to it. I'm like, oh, that was terrible. <laughs> like, it's so much better to do something with a teammate and someone you develop chemistry with. So, thank you very much. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, and I, th- I think John and I each did one episode ever for the forty. By I, th- I think we're I think we're at two apiece now. Is it? It's pain- <laughs> it's painful, right? Because you just you just going and, and you're like, I don't want to listen to me talk anymore. I like someone, please. <laughs> the hard thing is pacing it. Like, kind of, you know, you. Yeah. I think you get in a trap where you want to fill every second. You're like, you don't want any downtime, so you blah, 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 and on to the next thing blah, 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 instead of you know. People listening realize you're going solo. So when you stop for a minute to yeah. <laughs> take a breath, I don't, I don't. I think it's worse for you to listen to it yourself than it is for other people who are aware you're going solo. Oh yeah, never listen to your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I would recommend if you, don't, if you want to have a good day, do not listen to your own solo podcast. No, I mean it's like, geez, I said um for the fifty seventh oh. time on this episode, and I've. Consciously trying to get better at this. <laughs> it's my filler. Just not. I'm not even close. <laughs> Hundred some episodes in, still the same guy. Yeah. So <laughs> avoid at all costs. Yeah. But now we're super excited to have you on today, talking wide receivers. This is a an interesting class, I think. To to put it mildly, I mean, I think this is an interesting draft uh, across the board. To be honest with you, I mean, we we have some you know some unique quarterback options but the, the rest of the positions i mean might be an all-time tight end class who knows athletic is all heck you know it's Bijan and the rest of, uh, running back it's what jackson smith and zigba and the rest at <laughs> wide receiver probably right so it's you know people are so <laughs> different in their evaluations of these guys and where they have them ranked right now so you know with your kind of deep college background you you do a lot of college i listen i don't care about these guys until they're one like till they're like at worst one year <laughs> close to being on my NFL roster. I just up dipping my toe in Debbie and you know, it's, it's one or two leagues in my probably like 15 or 20. I hope my wife's not listening right now that I, that I currently have, 
but you know, you've <laughs> known these guys for, for years that I've just become familiar with. So, you know, truly interested to get your take on, on some of these guys today. Oh, I can't wait. So you're not watching Tajay Spears in 2020 at Tulane against East Carolina. I, I understand. I, I certainly was not. But I, <laughs> I definitely watched him at the Senior Bowl. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that, that's my extent of uh, Tajay Spears. A couple game clips beyond that. But, hey, like the player. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> it's exciting. All right, Johnny. I mean, you you, you mentioned, um, you know, this being interesting not just this position, but overall, and, and we, we've talked about this a bunch before, but do, do you think, not even specific to wide receivers, John, but do you think this class, like it seems like even in the NFL, because none of these rumors have been solidified. It's like, oh, this team likes this guy, this team likes him, this team doesn't. This does seem like more of a year where the dynasty drafts are going to be wildly different, and I think the NFL draft is going to be I, I think this is a hard year to predict who's going where, especially at the offensive skill positions. I agree with you. And I actually like this type of draft because I know it might sound counterintuitive, but having been a fan of the draft since 1983, my first one I really remember was 1979 when Phil Sims got drafted Ooh. by the New York Giants in the first round. So, but there was no TV back. I think the first one I ever saw on TV is 84, 85 with Mel Kuyper and Dr. Z, if anyone remembers Dr. Z from Sports Illustrated way back in the day. I like this type of draft. I don't like when everything's been pre-decided, you know, here are the top five or six picks, here are this. There is so much diverse perspectives and opinions in this year's draft. I mean, we, I, the offensive linemen, I still read about, there's, disagreement on the top three tackles in this draft. I think there's disagreement on the top outside pass rushers in this class. Then you have the X factor. I think Jalen Carter is the best player in the draft. If you ask me to put money down on one player, I think Carter is the most disruptive force since Aaron Donald on the defensive line. But we know there's some off the field concerns there, which seem to have been cleared. So that's the good news. But I think if you're just talking about pure football player, I would take Jalen Carter in a heartbeat over anyone else, but I understand the quarterback position is overvalued. So I like this, and I love, you know, hey, I have my rankings. I have my model. I like sneaking around and seeing where other people have. I'm like, hey, I like this player. They don't. They like that player. I don't. I think that's fun. I think that drives for a more interesting draft night. Now, I think dynasty owners want a cookie cutter answer. Here is the fifth best player in the draft. This is the player you must take at number five. No matter what you do, you take this player at number five. Ah, I don't want that. I want there to be five different options, and I got to find the right guy. I mean, isn't that why we play for the challenge? I, now, some years we, we don't have such discrepancy in arguments it might be one guy might have had chris olave over garrett wilson last year big deal we all knew olave and wilson were good right this class i've seen all over the board different rankings so i'm excited for it yeah i just looked up dr z because i gotta be honest with you i was not aware of that guy so i was like i gotta look at this guy real quick so was was he a sports illustrated guy is that what i remember yes i remember him yep yeah and i think he was in the so he used to cover the jets with joe (laughs) namath in the 60s i don't know if it was the post or the news or one of the new york and then he moved i think to sports illustrated but he was one of the first writers who i grew up with where i read everything he wrote like everything that it was a different world when it was newspaper and you know magazine media now it's so different but i dr z was probably one of the first guys i read religiously everything he wrote about football yeah, listen, the beginning of this SI article, this person came up, the legendary Sports Illustrated football writer, known as much for his bluntness as for his revolutionary insights into the technical aspects of the game, <laughs> agonized too much over the damn thing. <laughs> the first time. I'm, I'm going to be learning a lot about Paul Zimmerman today, so I, I so appreciate that. We'll, we'll get into getting, sorry, get into rankings a little bit here. So Walk had mentioned even just what you're seeing from from – the, the bigger names in the industry. I mean, I, I think Lance Zierlein has Jalen Hyatt is his wide receiver one. Walk, you sent me a, a link the other day that somebody has uh, 
A.T. Perry as the top wide receiver in the whole class. So mm-hmm. there, there is some craziness. So, John, who are your – we were going to say top five, but everybody does that. We kind of have an idea, I think, who <laughs> everyone's got three of those guys. So who are your top six this year? So just to piggyback on what you said, neither Jalen Wyatt or A.T. Perry <laughs> are in my top six. So like, I don't know if those are hot takey or not. I don't see it, but, you know – I, everyone has their different rankings, so we'll just leave it there. Number six, I think the highest riser in the process in the process so far in my book, Marvin Mims, Oklahoma. Absolutely love Mims. He's hit a grand slam throughout this postseason process. Number five, falling down a little bit because of his size, but I still like Josh Downs from University of North Carolina. I think he's a guaranteed inside receiver. You know, I, I think he can be a Julian Edelman in the right system, Hunter Renfro type player. He is just dominant in the short area of the field, his burst and acceleration. And believe it or not, he's tough. Like I always thought what made Julian Edelman special, not only was he a good route runner, but he was a tough SOB in the middle of the field. Josh Downs for a lighter player. He plays big. He can take a hit, and you have to be able to do that to command the middle of the field in the NFL. Number four is Josh – sorry, Jordan Addison of USC. He slid down. He's not as athletic as I thought. Now it's not everything to athleticism. I think he's an exceptional football player. But, you know, he, he did run a four four nine in the 40, which concerned me, and his three-cone drill, so that's his burst and acceleration, are not the thresholds that I'm looking for. I do think he's a better football player than he is an athlete, and that matters. So I still have him at number four. Number three, if you're looking for the home run, Quentin Johnston is your big X receiver. Now, he's got problems route running. He disappears at times. He's he's not a clean hands catcher. So I have some question marks with Quentin Johnston. But the athleticism and the size is off the charts. That's why he's my number three. Number two, other than Mims, but you see, here's where it's weird. I had Zay Flowers number five last (laughs) summer. He's been high. He's now my number two. People are shocked that Zay Flowers has risen. I said, hey, man, I loved him last year. I told everyone to draft him in Debbie. He was a free square. Like, you could have gotten Zay Flowers in the sixth round of a Debbie draft. No one wanted him. I had him on seven of my nine college fantasy football teams. It just – he was such an underrated player. Now he's number two. And my number one, it's JSN. Look, his we all knew his straight line speed. He wasn't going to be a 40 monster. That was given. But when he runs a 20-yard shuttle of 393 – and a three-cone drill at 6'5'7", and he's a bigger receiver. He's not huge. He's not Quentin Johnson. Let me get him here. 6'1", 196. That's more than big enough for a slot inside Z receiver. And JSN's 2021 film was as good as any film I've seen in the last 10 years. He's my number one receiver. Yeah, hard to argue him. I love the Isaiah too. Zay's my number three right now. I told John when we started into this season, I go, you're going to love this kid. I was I was immediately infatuated with him. And then I started down to people were still higher on Josh Downs. I was like, I don't get it. Zay, Jones, Zay Flowers to me, far superior uh, uh, upside you know, to him. And I just said, you know, Josh Downs went from what a Sam Howell to a Drake May, a quarterback. What was what was Zay Flowers doing? What was what? it Phil Jerkovich experience and then worse? Yeah, Boston great, College. Great context. <laughs> Whatever you think of Sam Howell, he's at least an NFL quarterback, right? And he had a very productive college career. Drake May is now the number two Debbie prospect. He's unbelievable. So, yeah, you look at what Josh Downs had compared to the kind of the circus that was swirling around Zay Flowers, and it's not even close. Yeah. Oh, you, you just made my day. I mean, I still got Quentin Johnson lingering at two for me, and it's just that I can't get beyond the size and the after-catch ability, but I, I see the issues uh, as well. So 
assuming Zay Flowers gets reasonable draft capital, he's ultimately probably going to end up ultimately probably. What what a declarative statement. Going to end up as my wide receiver too when it's all said and done as well. So you you mentioned size real quick there, Walker John. I wanted to get your kind of opinion on that. This year, more than years past, when I'm doing my rankings, I, I factored size in a little bit more than usual. So this year I do kind of like these bigger bodied guys. I do like Johnson. I'm higher on uh, Mingo more than other people. I like Tillman, um, even a guy like Michael Wilson, who, who, you know, kind of disappeared on the field for a couple of years, but had a nice showing at the the senior bowl. And it, I, I'm looking at a lot of these bigger guys more than a lot of these small guys, because typically we're seeing these small guys play the slot. Yes. Teams are running a lot of three wide receiver sets, but a lot of teams kind of have their slot guy already. Do you, uh, this year, more than years past, do you think size is going to be a a factor for the NFL? And do you think I am wrong or (laughs) on the right path with my thought process? So I've drastically changed my draft analysis of wide receivers in the last four years. I grew up with the Calvin Johnson, Julio Jones, the big X receiver, A.J. Green. You want that Harold Carmichael if you go back to the Eagles in the 70s. I love these big X receivers. The NFL has changed. They, they've adopted more concepts from the college level. The college level is about creating space and getting your quick separators and your elite speedsters as fast as you can in one-on-one situations. I mean, I love the way the college game is developed. I mean, I I love college football. Um, So you see these Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, um, Josh Downs, who just get open so fast, and and all they have to do is miss one tackle. Speed takes away. But there's still a role in the NFL for size. So what does that mean? Now you have to dig deeper and analyze who are the X receivers, the boundary receivers, because I still believe in offense, the simpatico. In a perfect world, you would have your classic X receiver, you have your slot guy, and then you have your Z receiver, right? And you could you could interchange the Z and the slot, put them in motion. So that makes me dig deeper on who are the X receivers, so I don't think you're wrong, because but I'm looking at it from a different perspective, sure. right? This, I have Cedric Tillman number eight, 6'3", He has every trait of an X receiver. He can play on the boundary. He's big. He's physical. He's got good hand work, and he can really beat you in tough catch, you know, in contested catch situations. Love him. Um, who else? I think you mentioned – oh, um. Mingo. Uh, Mingo. I have him at number 13 now. He's moved up in December. I had him at like number 18. He's now up to number 13. Can't coach size. Mm. I know it's an old cliche, right? But where am I going to get a 6'2, 225-pound man who runs a 446? <laughs> like I just you just can't go to Walmart and get one of those, yeah. right? <laughs> Is he a perfect polished prospect? No. Hey, you mentioned A.T. Perry. I think that's what has ca- – look, it. I have A.T. Perry at number 18. I have questions about the Wake Forest, Demon Seek, Deacons, passing game. Can he transition? I got lots of questions. I don't think his production model's overly impressive. It's okay, right? But you can't coach size, 6'3", 198. That's why he's working up draft boards. Another Tyler Wilson, I have him at number um where do I have him now? I thought I just saw his name. Oh, Michael Wilson, sorry, 62216. He's number 21. The injury concerns are bothersome to me. Yeah. He just hasn't gotten on the field enough at Stanford. But Bryce Ford Wheaton, <laughs> I, he was not on my radar. Man, you're nobody's six, right. <laughs> six four two twenty-one, you run a four three eight. And a 4-1-5, 20-yard shuttle. I will say this. If it was 2003, Bryce Ford Wheaton's a first-round pick in the NFL. <laughs> Raiders take him at seven. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> now I have him at number 20 because NFL, what we're looking for, the analysis, the schemes, 
But, man, when you were given that size and that speed 20 years ago, the NFL would have been drooling over you. Now he's kind of like an afterthought. Yeah. How didn't he find the transfer portal? I, mean, I can't believe it. <laughs> well, he went to Alabama or somewhere. He yeah. got a little better coaching, better scheme, all of that. Yeah. I mean, his metrics are off oh. the charts. You need some of a 41-inch vert, 10-9 broad. You were talking a, a three-cone, sub-seven three-cone at that size. I mean, on top of you know the, the speed. And to your point, big-bodied guy, 6'3", 221. I mean, you're talking DK Metcalf. You, you are, and you know what? He had two interests in metrics. He had a 25% market share, which isn't too bad. If you if you know the uh, Mountaineers, they haven't been throwing the ball very successfully all over the place, right? So he's got some other metrics that are enticing. They're not great, but they're enticing. I get a lot for his – and this is all secondary scouting here for him because he was – I didn't even know who he was until the combine, candidly. Mm-hmm. But I hear a lot of – he can't separate. No, you he get, can't. Yeah, for as, well. fast, as big and fast as he is, can't separate. <laughs> well, that's where I want, you know, so here's interesting. We always assume rational coaching at the highest level at every school. Well, that just isn't happening. If he had gotten better coaching, let's say he had Brian Hartline, who coaches at Ohio State. Now, obviously, Hartline has the best prospects you could ever ask for, right, going to the Buckeyes. But Hartline's doing something right <laughs> when he has him in the locker room and he has him in the film room and on the field. What if Bryce Ford Wheaton had gone to Ohio State and gotten the coaching at 18, but he didn't get that at West Virginia? And I agree with you. He can't separate. For, that's why I never thought he was that fast. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I, he was never one of those stop. guys. I think I had him in the sleepers column two years ago. I drafted him in some best ball college fantasy football leagues. And he always dis- disappointed. But I saw some of the early athletic numbers. And you're like, how is this guy not separating? Yeah. And that's why I, from a film perspective, you're like, you know what? Can he be coached up? That's the question. I don't always know if that happens at the NFL level. But the athleticism and the size are incredible. Yeah, you got to work hard not to separate with those metrics. You would right? think. <laughs> <laughs> so excluding any of the big names and – People, you know, guys at the very top of the class here. Who, who's your favorite receiver in this class? If you're not necessarily a sleeper, but somebody digging down a little bit that other people might not be as high on. Well, can I give you two who I sure. like? Is that all right? Go for it. I, I like Jaden Reed of Michigan State a ton. He he is hit a home run in this process. 5'11", 187, 31% marking, market share of the passing attack for the Spartans, 203 career receptions, um, he 4-4-5 in the 40. He's not as – I don't know if this is subjective or not. I think there's a lot of dog in in Zay Flowers. Like, he plays angry. Mm-hmm. Jaden Reed plays angry and with a purpose also. I like that. If you look at the film – from 2021 and 22, it's important to understand how much the Spartans' offense fell apart. They were so good in 2021 with Kenneth Walker. They were so bad in 2022. So that kind of shows you the difference in production from the two years. Early breakout player at Western Michigan that had um, Eskridge on it. Mm-hmm. And it had, was it Deontay Johnson? Was he also on that team at Western Michigan? There was another good player at Western Michigan when Jaden Reed was there back in 2018. Really interesting prospect. The other one, Xavier Hutchinson. I don't, he's not getting talked a lot about in the process. He's not as big as some of the, the players we mentioned, but he is 6'2, 203. He had 254 receptions in three seasons. He was a, ju- a JUCO player from Blinn College in Florida, goes to Iowa State. And let me repeat that. In three seasons, he had 254 receptions, 37% market share, 66% catch rate. Now, he goes down. I don't understand. As soon as a defensive back hits him, he goes to the ground. <laughs> Figure that out. There's like he's zero the, yak yards. He's the Samaj P. Ryan of wide receivers. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's incredible because, like, <laughs> and I've watched too much Cyclones because I had Brees Hall. Then who, they were transitioning this year to the um, 
a new running back I was watching. They had a freshman last year that was interesting. They had a tight end last year who was a prospect. So I watched a lot of Iowa State football. And every time you watch Adrian Hutchinson, you're like, dude, can't you shake a tackle? Can't you get like seven yak yards? But he takes a hit. He, he's good in the middle of the field. He's a big slot I, slot receiver. I think he's in the Tyler boy, but not as good of a route runner. But that, to me, is my best comparison. I like Xavier Hutchinson. I think they're both John DeBari favorites. I just Hutchinson, I can't, I, I I can't shake. That. I just can't shake the Iowa State Cyclone big-bodied wide receiver because <laughs> it's just a, it's oh. a boy to me enough times now. And when you know to the guy who – once he gets touched, he's he's hitting the grass. It's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> that walk has that not become like our unofficial favorite stat? Like the worst yak guys, we just yeah, love yeah. watching them. It's just hysterical to yeah. see, especially the bigger they are. Like we we always joke about P ride. It's like you're a giant human being, and I've <laughs> seen you. I've seen him get slapped in the elbow and like <laughs> collapse like he felt, yeah, like he got yeah. shot with a cannon. You're like, what? Listen, I, I had to do, I had to look back for you because I didn't know Western Michigan Broncos. Was it a Giovanni Ricci? Is that a name? That, that is one name. Okay, that well. is one name, but he wasn't, he's not in the NFL. No, oh, that's De- right. Uh, Deontay Johnson's from Toledo. So sorry okay. about that. Yeah, I was, there was, I was like, another guy on yes. that Western. Oh, maybe he was there with Corey Davis. That's it. Corey Davis, I think, was at Western Michigan when he was a freshman. Might have been, because Sky Moore was there right after that. Oh, then Sky Moore. Yeah, so there's been players at Western Michigan when (laughs) Jaden Reed was there. And he got a boost up in competition. Yeah. Yeah, listen, I'm there on Jaden Reed. another guy, you know, the senior bowl, you know, was the the start of that kind of ascension. Um, Just high dog rating. I love it. We need to find a way to quantify those type of things because you know it's the guys that love it, right? I mean, it's just not. It, it, you see the passion. It really does matter. You know, if they really love it, they're committed on and off. Like you get the guy that just isn't committed. You know, to isn't their life, and the you results are typically not there for those guys. I know an analytics guy would say it's it's subjective on me, but I've been watching football since 1976, seen a lot of different college mm-hmm. NFL players. And it may be unquantifiable, but I will say this. It's ineffable also. When Mm -hmm. you see it, you see it. Yeah. And and I'm not telling you how to quantify it, but it's kind of the same thing when I have a student in class. You can just see the student who wants it, no matter how smart or what their skills are. They want to learn. They they, want to do better. And, like, you see the football player who wants the ball, who wants to be better who runs with anger and purpose, who who just demands it, right? And, and you just see it. And, and Zay Flowers, to me, is the ultimate in this draft class. I think David Reed's close, but I'm I, I, not as doggy, if that's a word, as Zay Flowers. <laughs> now, it, listen, Zay fights for every blade of grass. Every right? blade. Every blade of grass, Zay Flowers. I, I'm there, and Jaden Reed is a close second. Ah, I love it. So so now we're gonna switch switch to our favorite part, the the pessimism portion of the show. So we talk <laughs> about guys we like. So who are, who is somebody that's popular in a lot of circles that you just aren't there on this year? I will. I think I will not own one share of Quentin Johnston. I think his risk reward ratio is a wide canyon as large as the Grand Canyon, and I think he's possibly could fail is just as well as succeed. I see the hand clapping problem. I see sometimes he disappears from the offense. I watch a lot of TCU football. And when you are in the big 12 and I'm just being kind a defensively challenged conference (laughs) and you are this Uber athlete at six, three, two, 12, you should be destroying people like literally destroying people. And he disappeared for large portions of time. Now, I think the best example I've given people, watch the Michigan game, watch every catch, watch as many as many um, routes as you can, and that's his highlight. But then, paradoxically, turn on the Georgia game. Oh. One reception for three yards. Like, that is the best example I can possibly give of Quentin Johnson 
of the highs and lows and the outcomes of this young man because he was great against Michigan. And he was, I mean, Georgia just took the young man right out of the game. Like, and I get that Georgia's great. But if you're supposed to be great, then you're at least supposed to have six. I would have been upset with six receptions for 50 yards. He had one for three. Like, I don't even know what to say about that. Like, that's that's bad if you're supposed to be this super uber player. And guess what? There's going to be defensive backs as good as Georgia in the NFL. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be defensive coordinators who can do what Georgia did. So that kind of, to me, that wide gap, I'm not willing to embrace the risk. But I do see his ceiling. Like, I get it. There is that DK Metcalf ceiling in there. Is he going to reach it? I have serious question marks about that. And the one player I'm now out, Kayshawn Booty. I'm sorry. I'm done. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) man, I I said that on the video series with Matt because I started to do a little mathematical homework. Everyone is hanging their hat on a three-game stretch Booty had in 2020, and he literally gained about 22% of his career production in a (laughs) three-game series. (laughs) And one of those games is 300 and, what, 63 yards or something crazy against Mississippi? If you take out (laughs) those three games and then you look at his career production – he wouldn't even be in the fifth round of anyone's draft. I also think he's get, getting the LSU SEC bump. Um, I think there's potential, but I won't have any shares of him. Smart man. Trey Palmer, better LSU oh. transfer receiver. Thank you, Sean Butte. Isn't that interesting? Isn't yeah. that fascinating? Trey Palmer, <laughs> I'd rather, I'll say this, at Dynasty ADP, I'll take Trey Palmer all day over Kayshawn Booty. Yeah, I'm going to have would, precious little. Gotcha. That, that's always a fun conversation to have, like when, especially when rookie drafts are, are in effect and you're getting ADP data that's real people and real drafts. It, it, it's always interesting to see, and it comes into play more when you're trading picks. But, yeah, there, there are so many guys who I like better it, I, I've done a ton of mocks for, for DLF uh, the last couple months. And, yeah, there's just so many guys I like at their cost in, like, the fourth round yeah. than anyone at their cost in the second. It's like if you if you have three-fourths, I'd rather <laughs> trade back out of the second and throw my four darts out in the, you know, fourth round than have to tie myself to somebody in the second. Because, yeah, when you start factoring the, the cost, there's just – there's a real dead zone in this draft, like, you know, pick, I, I'd say 15 to, you know, maybe 25. No, I yeah. would say 15 to 30. Yeah. yeah. You could get a home run, but you could easily strike out in that scenario. Like, <laughs> listen, you, you made me go to the Quentin Johnson uh, page. His first four games of the season last year were three for 22 scoreless yards against Colorado. Two for 22 scores yards against something called Tarleton State. Tarleton State. (laughs) Three for 29 against Southern Methodist and four for 41 against Oklahoma. It was his first month of the year. And a mixed bag of he should have just gutted some of these bad teams and then he should have had to produce against some of the more competitive teams. And he did nothing. Nothing. And you know how we finally broke out? They moved him into the squad. They had a scheme. They had to scheme him to get open. (laughs) Yeah. How yeah, listen. do you have to scheme against Charleston State if you're Quentin Johnston? I mean, how could he have? Like, that's crazy. I'm on College Football Reference, and Tarleton State does not have a link. I can't. I can't click it. <laughs> I, can't, I can't see. I can't find anything about Tarleton State. But yeah, Week Five against Kansas, John, 14 for 206 and a touchdown. So yeah, and you know why I remember Kansas Jayhawks? <laughs> I was doing our college football podcast, and I do a DFS right, caught like four guys you should start. And I told everyone, I'm, I'm swallowing the bullet. I'm done with Quentin Johnson. He's probably going off, but I benched him. I'm not going to play him in DFS. And sure enough, he, I'm like, oh, my God, he literally had 14 receptions. Yep. But they literally said, oh, my God, we have to put him in the slot and create a mismatch for him. 
Ah, do not like seeing that. I read about that the following week. <laughs> like, how come he exploded? And right. that's what the re, you know, the one of the articles on him from the local newspaper was like, oh, yeah, they put him in the slot. Oh, interesting. Yuck. Yucky. <laughs> we mentioned a few guys like Jalen Reed who are a little lower in your rankings and, and, and guys you like. Again, not necessarily a sleeper, but is there anybody else that might not be at the top that, um, that you do like more than other people. And uh, I guess we'll go right into that other part too. Are there any deep guys that you like as kind of sleepers this year? Let me drop out a few couple names who I'll drop three, four. I like Puka Nikau. Now the problem with Puka is we don't really have athletic scores from at least I, maybe they had a pro day at BYU and I missed something, but I don't think I did. I've been looking. I mean, it's one of those things I keep looking for. 61206. He's got some real nice numbers. He was a store four-star recruit from Washington. And when he was with the Huskies, they just the program had kind of fallen apart. So he didn't have a lot of opportunity. He goes to BYU. He's incredible in 2021. 2022, he missed some games with injuries. He's and I he's got a little Debo Samuel. Now he's not as physical and he's not as tough as Debo. But he ran the ball 25 times for the BYU Cougars last year. I think he scored five rushing touchdowns, if my memory serves me. So he has a lot of interesting skills, and he's a home run hitter. He can get over the top vertically. I have him in number 15 in my rankings. I'll pro- If he's available in round four or five, you were saying, John, throw darts. He's the guy I'm throwing darts at. I will probably leave every draft with him. Because unless he does, unless he gets crazy draft capital, right, and he shoots up boards, but I like Puka Nakao a lot. We already you, mentioned. I'm all in on Trey Palmer. Mm. Oh, go ahead. You, you found something? I did. Uh, I just want to kind of get a live take on this. So, uh, our buddy Math Bomb Raz score right now: six one and a half, two ten for Puka. Thirty three okay. inch vert, ten foot one broad, four five six forty. With ooh, a one ooh, six, that's good enough. Four, with, five, six. Yeah. Okay. With a one six two ten yard split. Yeah. 7.323 cone. Not good. No. And a 4.36 short shuttle. <laughs> he's he's a 515 Raz <laughs> athlete. It, only his weight is uh above a a yield side. I know I know the old Raz we, score. We don't release the video. I wish you could have seen all three of our faces when you read the three cone. Oh, that was not good. All, all three of us. Were, mm. It hurt because I've heard so much of the same, John. It's it's if Debo weren't Debo, it's Puka. You know what I mean? Like he has that ability. And then you see all the jet sweeps and everything that they're running at BYU. And you're like, okay, this is new NFL. Right? Let's get the ball in your playmaker's hands. Yeah. I can see this. And then I see this and I'm like, huh. Yeah. That's probably why he's not being discussed on Ford. So what was the relative athletic score? What was that percentile? 5.15. That's not good. No. No. <laughs> no. So only the only thing we'll know is if the NFL likes him based on draft capital, but now we're that's the last data. So he probably is out of the third round. He's probably a day three receiver now. That's yeah. my guess if reading off that. So I'll probably actually literally lower him down my rankings, unfortunately, right now. Um, yeah, so let's go to Trey Palmer then. <laughs> yeah, please. Hey, you run a 4-3-3 at 1-9-2. He was nailed to the bench. Nailed to the bench at LSU. <laughs> we all know it's a very deep wide receiver room for the Tigers. He made a business decision to move to Nebraska, and he took the opportunity – and he ran with it literally. He had an incredible season for the Cornhuskers. He's bigger than I thought at 192, mm-hmm. 39% market share. I think he's an he's a special teams player. So I think he hangs on a roster because he can return kicks from you from day one. And I think I like the way he's a physical receiver, not as much as Zay and Jay, Jaden Reed, but he is a physical receiver. So I like Trey Palmer. I'll I'll have a lot of Trey Palmer. So I'm very much into him. And if I'm going really deep, I do like Grant DuBose out of Charlotte, but I'm very weary of a group of five wide receivers. But Grant DuBose at 6'2", 201, 
He ran a four, five, seven, six, eight, nine in the three cone drill. He 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 he's below my benchmark, and he's a big player with the twenty nine percent aerial dominator. Grant Dubose is a real late sleeper. I like. I have never heard of Grant Dubose. No, I, John, John is laughing because I just wrote him into our sheet as someone I'm going to have to go take a look at after this. I have heard 25, he, and he's got some physicality. Now, a, a group of five wide receiver has a higher hurdle to make it to the NFL, but there are things <laughs> I like about his game. Okay, that's a – all right, got some homework to do here. From there you go. Paul Zimmerman, I'm going to look at <laughs> So overall, we've kind of looked at the top and the bottom uh, of this class a bit. What do, you, what do you think of this year's class compared to what we saw a year ago? We didn't know how lucky we were last year. <laughs> last year was incredible. The funniest part is people said that last year wasn't good. But when you look back now, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jahan Dotson, Drake London, right? Traylon Burks, he at least showed me glimpses before he got injured. So I'm happy with him. Christian Watson, George George Pickens. Pickens. (laughs) I I don't see how we possibly have those types of players in this year's group. I mean, JSN, I've you know, I've been thinking a lot about it. Where would JSN be in last year's group? I think I would have had him behind Drake London. That would have made him the fourth wide receiver. <clears throat> I would have had him ahead of Jamison Williams because of the injuries. I and, and I was I stayed away from Williams because he I knew he wouldn't play right a year year one. But he's even got he we've seen there's glimpses there, right? With we know he's got football speed. Last Christian Watson, I mean, to come out of North Dakota State and do what he did, where did he have those six games in the middle of the yeah. season where he was completely dominant? And we're still talking about guys like Sky Moore. I'm not giving up on Sky Moore yet, right? Justin <laughs> Ross, is he healthy? We've seen that. Ooh. I think most of you probably seen it like me, the video with him catching passes from Patrick Mahomes, which is a good – you know, which is a good kind of indicator. Maybe he's getting back on the field. There's so much talent. We don't have a top-end guy. I mean, I think the best guy is Jackson Smith and Jigba. But I, I like I said, he would be fourth in last year's class. Well, even looking just – I'm scrolling through last year's draft. I mean, we didn't get to see Mechie on the field, but a lot of people loved him coming out of Alabama. Wondale yep. Robinson actually flashed a little bit with the Giants yeah. before he got hurt. <laughs> So, yeah, last year's class, you, you know, that we were in the draft where everybody was got to get these 2023 picks. Man, I, if I traded out of last year's draft and picked up a bunch for this year, I'm feeling burnt right now. <laughs> oh, we didn't even – how about Khalil Shakur? Uh, he, hey, he, there's he's a, a number three receiver attached <clears throat> to Josh Allen, and he looked good at times. Yeah, and there's contributors. Get rid of – didn't it, who did they just release the bills? The um, uh, what Isaiah McKenzie? That's it. They release yeah. Isaiah McKenzie, which tells me they kind of believe in Khalil Shakur. And they don't have Cole Beasley unless they bring his corpse back for one more year. But like, no, <laughs> right? So I mean, I think Shakur's in a decent spot here. I think what screwed us last year and has nothing to do with the position we're talking today. It was such a bad quarterback class when we're so super flex dominated yes. now that everyone said 2023. It really wasn't a true evaluation across the board. It was these quarterbacks suck so bad that kick the kid in 2023. It's destiny. It just wasn't bad. true. No. And look yeah. at the running backs we got last year. I think everyone like Kenneth Walker, Brees Hall, Damian Pierce, um, who am I missing? There I mean, was listen, a good t- Tyler Algier. That's right. I'm Tyler going even Algier, deeper. Isaiah yeah. Pacheco. Even uh, I'm looking Brian at the, Robinson. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Robinson. <laughs> I mean, you if you, really if you grab Jerome Ford, need to have six impactful rookies like we did at the running back spot this year, like last year. I would say yes, but come on. Yeah. I mean, wrong. the odds are not with us. They were good running backs. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm totally with you on that. And now it's now it's. Let's kick 23 to 24, right? 20, now 24 is the year. It's finally happening. It's always next year. <laughs> we can't lose. We can't lose. 
That's funny. Yeah, it is always next year. But yeah, even as I'm scrolling through last year's draft, I mean, yeah, even even somebody like Jerome Ford, who you just stashed did nothing. But now that Kareem Hunt is out of there, you go, man, I'm I'm glad I have Jerome Ford on my in my lineup. Pacheco oh. out in the seventh. I mean, yeah, there were a lot of <laughs> and we talked about Christian Watson and didn't even talk about Romeo Dubs, who looked pretty good while he was out there. So you're right, forgot about dubs, yeah. yeah contributors. Yeah. Listen, before we go, we didn't talk about a particular wide receiver that I was just hoping and praying would organically come up. So as many guys as we talked about, we didn't talk about Tyler Scott. I got to get 10 seconds from John Lobb on Tyler Scott. Not sold on him. Okay. I'm not impressed by his tape at Cincinnati. Name me one wide receiver that came out of Cincinnati who's done anything in the NFL except for maybe Alex Pierce, maybe, depending on your perception. He's 5'10", 177 with 87 career catches. I mean, I have him number 22 on my list. Not, I mean, obviously, fifth-round flyer probably at best in Dynasty. I don't think he's that interesting of a prospect. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to have to evaluate. I have him at 12 for me. I I'm, Consider me intrigued. but I, I just not, don't know where he sure. wins. Yeah. Like yeah. that's what I, I watch him and where does he win? What does he do like that? He's excel other than and he's not as fast as we were sold. He's a four 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 guy. That's, that's what got me nice. because I saw speed. I did. I yes. was getting deep. So I assumed that was where he was going to win. But then you see the testing and it doesn't match the tape. No, it doesn't so match it, the tape. It, it, it's a little confusing. I'll, I'll throw out one more name just because sure. you're a college guy. Um the the one Debbie League, I even play in. I've had Rakeem Jarrett stashed because oh. years ago they were like, get, get this guy. So I did. Uh, and now he's just kind of middling, middle of the pack, nothing fancy. What, what's your opinion on him in the NFL? He's one of my biggest disappointments from my <laughs> Debbie fantasy. Take that, Rakeem. Yeah, I mean, he was yes. a high recruit who showed Maryland over so many mm. other potential landing spots. But, you know, he's six foot 200. He's big, but he's not as big as I thought. His film looks so maddeningly inconsistent. He had decent quarterback play. At, he had two of his younger brother. Um, and it was okay. I'm not saying it's elite, but there's a lot worse quarterbacks. Boston College had a much worse situation than the Terrapins had. So I just look at Rakeem Jarrett, and I think he's just a young man who hasn't grown into being a successful receiver, right? He enters college and you can go way up or you can slide or stay the same. And I feel like he's a a prospect who just stayed the same. He didn't improve. And there's really no excuses not to improve when you go to a decent program. Maryland can throw the ball. They have a decent passing game, and I don't like the film. And he he's another guy who just disappears from games. Like you're like, you're one catch for eight yards. <laughs> like, what is happening here? So yeah, I, I have him at number 24. Okay, so uh, listen, we, we cornered the market on 24 and 25 and John. <laughs> you guys we wanted to talk about. Yeah, you know, and I don't know. Rakeem Jarrett just seems a guy he's always gonna be two years away from being two years away. It's like yes. you just expect so much more. It's like any day now, any day now it's gonna happen. And then he's like, I the next practice squad. My Rakeem Jarrett stand. I just, I, I'm out now. And yeah. he just didn't do enough to impress me. And I've been watching him for two years. I thought he would grow, and he just hasn't shown me that. No, no, he, he certainly hasn't. If you hate him, do you hate Dante Demas as well? Can you guys yeah. still hear me? Oh. Yeah. yeah. We oh, lose sorry. you. I, I couldn't hear you for a second. Sorry. I said, so do you hate Dante Demas as well? That's why we're taking out yeah, my wide receivers. I have him at number 29. <laughs> there we I, go. <laughs> I know there's people who love Dante Demas, and I'm like, I don't see it. I watch too much Maryland football. I just did not – I was not impressed with <clears throat> any of their receivers. I thought they might have had the be- best receiving core other than Ohio State. So forget about Ohio State. They're special. Um, I thought they had the best receiving core other than Ohio State in the nation, and they completely disappointed me last year. Take that, yeah. Terps. Yeah. 
turnipins. One, one last question before we uh, let you get out of here. Appreciate your time. Uh, for the NFL, wh- what do you like team-wise for your best and worst uh, landing spots for receivers? Well, you know, that's a great question. So I was thinking a lot about that. I'm very worried about the um, Chicago Bears. I just think the upside is not there. I think Fields is a special player, but he gets his points with his legs. What is his upside on throwing touchdown passes? I think he will. They do have Cole Komet and they have some decent, you know, I think Khalil Herbert can be a decent pass catcher. So I think there's, I wonder what the upside of a Chicago Bears wide receiver is right now, if that makes any sense, right? Like, are you ever going to have a 1,200 yard, 12 touchdown wide receiver? I just don't see it in the Chicago scheme and the way they play football, the way Justin Fields plays football. That that worries me a little bit. And then the Ravens. I'm almost out on the Ravens right now. I mean, I know they got rid of Greg Roman, so we, we got to see what happens. But Lamar Jackson just has not shown me at this point between Louisville and Baltimore – that he is going to feed a stud receiver with like 1,200-yard upside. And I'll give one more that I am so afraid of, New England. They have not shown me that they can select him, that they can coach (laughs) him up, that they have any idea what to do other than they signed Randy Moss, they signed Wes Welker, they drafted Julian Edelman, who was a quarterback at Kent State, converted him to wide receiver – Everything else New England has done at that position is an abject failure. I keep seeing Zay Flowers, New England. I want to cry like a tear falls out. Like I would literally just be torn asunder if Zay Flowers goes to Bill Belichick and that New England team. Here's a question. Worst possible landing spot. Worst Worst possible. Worst possible. Take all the dog out of them. (laughs) Take all the dog right out of them. I think more than anybody else I've seen uh, Addison go to New England. So Uh, I'm done. I'm out. Out completely. That's my question. That was my next question. Out, out. done, done. I, I can't believe. Look at how can I go to the same well when they have done? Look at the wide yeah. receivers in the last two decades. It's exactly. a comedy act. It is literally a comedy act when you look at what New England has done. It's you know staggering funny? how successful they are at being so accurate and picking the wrong guy. I mean, they have. <laughs> they, have a, they have a flawless well, we, track record. <laughs> we, me and Walk have talked about this quite a bit. It's funny that for I don't know a decade plus, you never wanted any of the Patriot running backs because it was just couldn't trust them. Didn't know how they were going to be used week to week. And now it's almost completely flipped, where you don't want any of their wide receivers. No. But like, I'll put, I'll gladly pick up some Ramondre Stevenson. It's like you don't mind their running backs now, but you have no, want no part of that passing game. It's funny how it flipped. Belichick keeping you guessing. And John, you you hit a nail on the head of something I want to edge before we get out of here because it's it's relevant to the conversation. Odell Beckham Jr. got a one-year $18 million deal at $15 million guaranteed to go to those Baltimore Ravens. Does that mean anything? Not from fantasy. <laughs> Does that mean he anything? Helps, <laughs> he helps the team from an NFL perspective because I do think he would still command some attention to detail by the defense. What so? When was his last thousand yard year? Was it 2018 or 19? We're looking at four or five years in the rear view mirror now. It's been a long one time. Can he make Baker. splash plays? <laughs> yes. Can he help m- maybe unleash Rashad Bateman and maybe get some help for Mark Andrews? But I'm not going to have any Odell Beckham in fantasy football. They yeah, should, they should sign. Now had, had 20, 2019, he played 16 games, had 1,035 yards, squeaked <laughs> over. Had 1,052 the year before his last year in New York, but he only played 12 games. Those 1,400-yard, 10-touchdown years, the first three years of his career, have been just buoying him since then with these ACL injuries where he's been average. I mean, his high was six touchdowns after those first three years and 1,052 yep. yards, and that was on his way out of New York. It's <clears throat> a lifetime ago. I mean, fantasy leagues have folded. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was, you just met, that was before the two ACL injuries. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that's seeing that. I mean, I thought he was crazy when I heard he wanted 20 million and that clearly wasn't a misserporting. It's that he just couldn't get there, but he found his way into potentially 18 million. I mean, it's unbelievable. but 15 guaranteed. I mean, that's mind boggling. So yeah, please don't take any more receivers. You already got Bayman, <laughs> you already got Andrews, who I love both of them. They already took a hit with this. And yeah, Lamar Jackson's not holding up. Add another receiver to that equation if indeed he's a long-term solution there. So Baltimore got worse from a fantasy perspective, in my opinion, because it's just going to dilute the pool more. You know, yes, Odell just has like, receiver. Yeah, yeah, yeah the pass catchers. Devin Duvernay is still there. And you know Jim Harbaugh's got some guy who was a fifth-round pick from four years ago he that he's going to give him with like, you know, 25 receptions this year that, you know, they're just you're like, oh, come on, man. You couldn't. That <laughs> kid's earned it. Yeah. I want to. I want him to go complete train wreck now. Sign, sign Antonio Brown yeah. and, and Josh Gordon. That's your. That's your three wide. Just go Bring fucking him. off the rails completely. Oh, speaking of off the rails, <laughs> we pick up those names. We're we're done talking wide receiver at this point. In time. So yeah, that'll do it. We kind of nice recap of this class. John threw out a few names that we we didn't even hear before, like Grant Dubose, and we got some. Uh, Debbie, Debbie spirit crushing uh, Rakeem Jarrett talk, but John, thanks for, thanks for coming in. Appreciate it. Always a good time talking to you. Let people know again where they can find you and we'll get out of here. Well, thanks gentlemen for having me on. I had a blast today. Um, you can find me on Twitter at gridironskull91. It's right on the screen there. And you can find all my written profiles on footballdiehards.com. And please go to YouTube, type in rookie big board and all our video breakdowns are there also. Now is the time to do it. Get current before the draft. <laughs> yeah, the, your your rookie big board series is one of the best tools, I think, prepping for especially dynasty drafts, but getting an idea of who these players are and, and what you can expect from them. But, John, thank you for coming on. We appreciate it. So for myself, John Debari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker, we are the Fantasy 40, and we are out of here. Yeah, that would suck. I like you yes. tried to. I like that you tried to sneak the live recording in there, but you know we, we got we got to let the guests know. Yeah, this this is all after oh, this is just, the this just nonsense. So, time. Yeah. Anything, anything you say can and will be held against you on the Fantasy Forty podcast. Interesting. What, I mean, because I'm an historian, I like to kind of learn about like wh- where did all these things come from? What? Why is there like ten factories just sitting here empty? You know. So we used to make shit here, John. That's I know. <laughs> I mean, the irony is repetitive activities are made to be automated, right? So oh, you think of that stuff. I mean, it's it's like this, this was supposed to happen. <laughs> you know, sometimes I think about it. What would it have been like to be in Ford's factory for fifty hours a week, literally putting the same <laughs> screw on a tire like that? Like, holy nuts. Go insane. <laughs> See, yeah, I mean, like, you guys are like, I couldn't imagine. I'd be like, fuck, I wish I wish I had a job like that. I know the opposite. I was like, I'd like to just be the cog in the machine and think about other bullshit. It's like put a stupid yeah. washer on this nut 10,000 times a day. 10, times. You could lose me on that. But you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a job. Oh, people, yeah, people at my job now laugh at me too because people like people will be screaming right next to me, or and and they're like, "What's he yelling about?" I'm like, "Who's yelling?" (laughs) (laughs) And I'm literally point at the guy yelling. (laughs) I'm literally five feet away, and the guy's screaming. No, like who's yelling? Oh, when my house is super quiet, I'm like. Something's happening around here. <laughs> like, I don't hear my kids making a ton of noise being crazy. But when everything stops, I'm like, <clears throat> Something's wrong. what the fuck are these kids up to? Something's yeah. happening. Get up and walk around. Yeah. Man. I got to check this out. <laughs> the quiet is the weird part. Dabari in, informed me of a specific take that you have. And oh, no. It, and, it, and it's not on football, my friend. But I've, I'm so intrigued about your disdain for ham. Oh, <laughs> um, 
I think it comes from growing up with my grandmother and my mom loved ham. So I think I just ate too much ham. <laughs> and and when I was a kid, there was a lot of ham. I don't even know if people buy them, but when we were kids, you go to the deli, I go shopping with my dad, and he loved ham. So we always had to get like a pound or two because we had four boys, right? Mm. So you buy two pounds of bologna, <clears throat> two pounds of ham, but and chicken or a sliced um, turkey meat, whatever it was. And I think it just became the point where I had so much ham, I can't even take it anymore. Like, I've had ham in every way possible, glazed every way, baked every way, in everything. I'm just done. Like, I just can't have ham. There's two things I really can't eat anymore, meatloaf and ham. I'm done. Like, those are the two things I am out on. Like, I had so much of those as kids, I just can't take it anymore. Seems like childhood experience. Ham's probably my favorite lunch meat. And honestly, like around the holidays, I, you can turkey can kick rocks. I want nothing to do with turkey. <laughs> what a nice ham. But yeah, I, I will tell you, I have probably <laughs> not eaten ham other than maybe thrown my way by accident on a plate. Probably, like chosen to eat it in like 15 years. 